Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be back with all of our listeners once again, and we're thankful to have this opportunity to be with you each day, Monday through Friday, right here on Search the Scriptures, so that we can open up God's Word together. And I know that some of you may be saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm, I'm, I'm working right now. I'm listening through my earbuds, or I'm driving along and listening in the car radio, or I've, I've got the radio on while I'm doing some chores around the house, or wherever it might be. And you may not be able to actually physically open up your Bible and follow along, but you can in your mind. As you listen to the scriptures being taught and being read, then in that way you are opening up God's word and you're listening and you're following along. And so you are studying. We're thankful that we have this opportunity to do exactly that each day. Now some of you may be, you may have a regular regimen, a routine where you sit down at the specific times when this program comes on and you actually do open up your Bible and follow along. We try to use a format on, sun, on, on Search the Scriptures that kind of gives us the atmosphere of sitting around the kitchen table together and opening up our Bibles and studying together. An easy, kind of friendly format. We, we pray that that's working for you, that you're really learning God's Word because it is through His Word that we develop faith and that we strengthen our faith. Romans 10 and verse 17. And our prayer is that you'll not just believe, and not even just believe strongly, but that you'll believe strongly enough that you will obey what these teachings really instruct you to follow and obey. That you'll repent of your sins, that you'll confess your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior, and that you'll surrender to Him in baptism for the remission of your sins, so that you can be born again spiritually, so that you can be made new, and walk with Jesus in newness of life so that you can look forward with confidence to a home in heaven with him and with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. Oh, our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you and we really do pray for you. Now we want to encourage you to encourage others to listen to this program. Search the scriptures. Now, again, many people cannot at a specific time, work their schedules around to actually tune in. But you can listen to this program, and everybody else can if they have access to the Internet. Let me encourage you, go to our website and encourage others to go to our website at churchofchrist.com. Churchofchrist.com. It's free. Always will be free. Scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. That'll take you about one minute. Again, that's free. That will always be free. And when you sign up for our podcasting, you'll receive all of our radio programs every day. They'll be sent automatically to whatever device you choose. Your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, your tablet, your pad, whatever it might be, they'll be sent automatically to your device. That will happen every day. And again, it's always free. But not only will you receive these radio programs, you'll also receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, and a great, short, about a 12-minute Bible study each day. That's actually seven days a week that we call today's Bible class. Today's Bible class. So 
Take advantage of this yourself. Encourage others to take advantage of it. It may help somebody get on the right path toward heaven itself. You may help somebody with eternal life. Think about that impact. We're going to get back into this final section of this study that we've been going through for quite a while now on God's grace. And we've looked at this general topic, God's grace, in separate sections. And in this particular closing section, we're talking about that the fact that God's grace is sufficient. Now, we've made the point that there are many people who talk themselves out of becoming a Christian. Actually, they're letting the devil talk themselves out of it. They think it's their own reasoning, but it's the devil planting the seed, the thoughts, the negative thinking in their, in their minds, and they're simply following it. But they talk themselves out of becoming a Christian thinking that they cannot be forgiven, that they're too bad to be good. Or maybe they think, I just can't live that Christian life faithfully on a consistent basis. So they never become a Christian. There are many Christians who talk themselves out of being active, dedicated, working, involved Christians because they think they don't have the abilities. They don't have the capabilities. They don't know enough to serve in an active way. Well, in both cases, these groups of people, neither group takes into account the sufficiency of God's grace to work in their lives and equip them where they come up short. Now, think about this text in 2 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul reminds Timothy that from childhood he had known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make him wise unto salvation. And then in verse 16, Paul goes on and says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what, what do we get from those three verses? 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 through 17. Verse 15, God's word instructs us and guides us to the plan of salvation. To the plan of salvation, as we've already talked about. Repenting of my sins, confessing my faith in Christ, surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses me of the guilt of my sins, and I am reborn spiritually. John 3, verses 3 through 5. Well, verse 16. When we're reading scripture, we're reading God's very word. And it, it is helpful for us, it is profitable to us for doctrine, that is for teaching, for, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, God gave us his word to guide us in righteousness, in his will. And then verse 17, so that the man of God, the person who walks with God through Jesus Christ consistently on an ongoing basis, in other words, a Christian, a faithful, dedicated Christian, to equip that individual for every good work that God would have him to do. 
So it, God's word leads us to salvation and then guides us in the truth, corrects us when we're in error in our understanding of what the scriptures teach, and then also in, equips us to do the good works and live the Christian life that God wants us to live as his faithful followers. God's grace is sufficient. God gave us his word to guide us and equip us in all of these ways by his grace, by his grace. So don't let the devil talk you into thinking that you cannot live the Christian life, that you are too bad to be good, that you cannot be forgiven. And if you're already a Christian, don't let the devil convince you that you are just pretty much good for nothing when it comes to being an active, working, serving Christian. God's grace is sufficient to guide you and equip you to do the good works that he wants you to do. Now, we've looked at the first couple of applications of this principle that God's grace is, is, is sufficient. First, God's grace is sufficient to save you. You can be saved if you come to God his way through Jesus Christ. And we've talked about that. Second, God's grace is sufficient to enable you to effectively serve him even though you may be hindered by physical weaknesses, handicaps, or other impediments. God's grace is sufficient. The Apostle Paul talked about how he learned that specific lesson. Now third, as we look at today, God's grace is sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him even if you perceive yourself to be uneducated or to not be well enough educated. Let's look at the example of the apostles, particularly in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John. Now, in chapter 3, God, through Peter and John, healed a man who had been lame from birth. Boy, how he reacted. He reacted rejoicingly, jumping up and down. And the people, they saw him, and they recognized him as having been that beggar who was stationed at a regular place on a continual basis in order to be able to have benevolent offerings given to him to sustain his physical well-being. Now he's walking, he's leaping, he's rejoicing. And so the crowd gathers. Oh, it must have been a massive crowd. Peter and John begin preaching the gospel to them. And in chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now you see the Sadducees, who were pretty much in charge of the temple at that time, did not believe in the resurrection. So they did not like to, to know that the apostles were out there preaching about the resurrection in the name of Christ. And so they laid hands on them, that is on Peter and John, and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. 
Now keep that, that number in mind. About 5,000 had become believers in Jesus, largely through the preaching of the apostles. And it could be that we're to understand on that particular day, about 5,000 were converted to come to believe in Jesus. Now, Peter and John are taken into custody, though, by the Jewish authorities. In verse 5, we continue to read, And it came to pass in the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they, they asked, that is, when they had set Peter and John in their midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? In other words, by what power, by what name were you out there teaching what you were teaching yesterday? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for the good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. In other words, healed. This is the stone, speaking of Jesus, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. You see, when you reject truth, that does not negate it from being truth. It's truth whether you believe it or not. Whether anybody believes it or not, it's still truth. It's not open for debate, or it's not, and it's not open for a public vote. It's the truth, whether anybody believes it or not. And so he says, you've rejected Jesus. The stone you rejected, but God has made him the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now notice verse 13. Now when they, that is the Jewish authorities, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, in comparison to those Jewish authorities, Peter and John were uneducated. They were untrained. And yet, it was obvious that they had been with Jesus because they had so powerfully and effectively proclaimed the gospel of Christ. All oh, those Jewish authorities marveled. How could these uneducated, untrained men stand here and speak as they're doing? How could they have had such an effect on the crowd that so many have come to believe in this Jesus whom they proclaim? Well, they realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. What a great, what a great statement of, as to the reality that Peter and John had walked with the Lord for those three years or so of his public ministry. Incredible. What could be a greater thing that could be said about anybody? God's grace is sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him in the ways that he has in mind, even 
if you perceive yourself as not being very well educated. You know, my father, and whatever good I am, to a great extent, I can point back to my mother and father as having raised me to be a good Christian, ultimately becoming a gospel preacher and having served in that capacity for decades now. My father could not read or write. Now, can you imagine that in today's culture and society in this country? My father could not read or write. I was never ashamed of him. And I don't know that he never exhibited any shame for that reality on his part, personally. Now, no, I did not feel any shame. And he should not have felt any shame. He raised me and he raised my four siblings to believe in God and to be faithful Christians. He not only affected our personal spiritual lives, but he was a powerful influence for Christianity and righteousness on untold number of souls. I I have no idea how many. But he was a stalwart of a faithful Christian man. And he influenced a lot of people through his Christian life and character. Spoke with them personally. Made visits to a a number of people and upheld the gospel of Christ. Even though he could not read or write. Now you see... God's grace is sufficient, is sufficient to equip you to effectively serve him even if you perceive yourself as not being well-educated. God used Peter and John to heal that lame man. The healing was from God, but he used Peter and John to heal that lame man. He had been lame from birth, And as God used them, that lame man was made whole. He was able to walk and not just hobble along. He was able to leap. (laughs) And then that crowd gathered. And we're not told how many were in that crowd. But again, chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Many of those who heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, whether we are to understand that as from the day of Pentecost up until this time or just on this occasion, there were at least about 5,000 men who came to believe through the preaching and teaching of Peter and John on that day. Whichever way we're to understand that, it's an enormous number. And we're talking about the power of God to effectively equip and enable Peter and John to do that teaching that they did on that day before that multitude that gathered to wonder what had happened to this man whom they had regularly seen as being a lame beggar. Now he's up leaping. He's made whole. 
Now you see, that's not the important thing. The important thing is the gospel message that Peter and John preached as a result of the crowd gathering upon the healing of that lame man. Now, it was important that he was healed, but that was, that again, the miracles of the first century church, those were a means to an end to prove that the teachings of the apostles and the early Christians were truly by the word of God and that his power and authority are behind those teachings. The miracles were not the main point. It was the word, the word. God used those men, Peter and John, whom those Jewish authorities recognized as being uneducated and untrained men. And yet, God used them to reach thousands, and I would suggest to you untold thousands, as their lives went on, teaching the gospel of Christ. Thousands upon thousands, undoubtedly, of souls led to salvation in Jesus Christ. God's grace is sufficient. You think you can't do it? Don't let the devil manipulate you into that kind of negative thinking. Now, maybe you cannot do certain things which you would like to do, but you can do some other things in serving God by way of getting the gospel message out and ultimately touching hearts and leading souls to Christ. You can do some things because God's grace is sufficient to equip you, to equip you to be able to do what he wants you to do in serving him according to his will. Believe that God's grace is sufficient and then act upon that faith. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. And all oh, your grace reaches out in ways that we don't always think about. Father, help us to trust you for your grace in our moments and realities of weakness. Help us, Father, to lean upon you and your grace to equip us to be able to serve you effectively and even powerfully, Father in the face of our weaknesses and difficulties. Please, Father, we pray this. And please forgive us. This is our prayer, gracious Father, in Christ's name, amen.